Well, good morning. Welcome to Foothills Church. If you're joining us in the auditorium here, watching online or at our Knoxville location, we just are uh, so glad, so glad that you are with us today. That This is, um, in case you didn't know, it's a holiday weekend. It's, uh, it's July 4th weekend. Today's the 3rd, just so you know. By the way, how many have already had a barbecue to celebrate? Anyone tonight, tomorrow, planning on barbecuing outside? Anyone? Okay, let me, anyone planning on shooting off fireworks? Yeah, see, I thought there'd be more fireworks and barbecues. So, um, so yeah, July 4th weekend, it's a big weekend for us. We get to celebrate um, our independence as a, as a country. We get to celebrate our freedom that we have. Um, interestingly enough, that it's, been, it's actually a big week for us in the Bennett household because a week ago, uh, June 27th, actually know the date, husbands, it's a good date to know, uh, anniversary. Uh, my wife and I have been married 24 years. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, hun, that was all for you. Just so you know, that applause. Great job sticking with that guy. 24 years. Good job. Uh, no, it's been, it's been wonderful. As we all know, marriages, we have our challenges and, but 24 years, wow, just, it's been, it's been fantastic. And, and actually I was reminded thinking about um, the July 4th weekend that w when we went on our honeymoon 24 years ago, we went to England of all places. And I, I know you're thinking, why? Usually you go to a beach and you sit there just enjoying, relaxing and on your honeymoon. And uh, well, we're big history bus. We had an opportunity. So we took it. We went to England and had a fantastic week enjoying all the sights and tourism stuff around England. And we spent most of our time in London and we're walking around downtown London on July 3rd. And as we're walking around downtown London, <clears throat> I saw a poster that was up on just a board and it caught my eye and I turned around and looked at it again. And it said, um, July 4th celebration. Okay, I, I don't know if that seems shocking to you. <laughs> uh, I'm in England. Okay, let me back up for a minute. Some of you are looking, nudging, going, what's the problem? <laughs> I'm in England, July 4th, we're celebrating our independence from England. Yes, okay. Yeah, so I'm tracking with this, and I pause, and I look, and I look at my wife, and I say, hey, is that weird to you? And she's like, absolutely, because she's smart like that. That's why I married her. And, and so... I, I thought, that's just the oddest thing because they're going, I don't know if they're, if they're thinking, hey, we're going to shoot off some fireworks because, man, we got rid of them. Um, I don't know. But for whatever reason, they're going, hey, we're going to have a July 4th celebration of America kind of having their independence from us. So anyway, we didn't go. Thought it might be a little weird for us to be there and we're all of our stuff going, yay, July 4th. You know, got some, got some uh, sparklers happening. We didn't go to that. Uh, but it is July 4th weekend. Hopefully tomorrow you have a great, fantastic July 4th. Um, I, I love the fact that it's this weekend that we are continuing in, in 1 Corinthians as we're in this series, Messy. And, and we're talking about this, this church that's, that's in Corinth, right? It's one of the first churches that, that, that we begin to read about. There's actually two books, the first and second Corinthians. We're in 1 Corinthians right now, and we're in chapter nine. And last week, it, we began, uh, Pastor Greg helped us to understand the freedom that we have in Christ and, and how we live that out and how we live out our freedoms with other people, how we live out our freedoms in front of them. What does this look like to really be free in Christ? And today we're continuing that. So <clears throat> as we're celebrating the freedom of our nation today that we get to talk about the freedom that we have 
in Christ. Now, I'll say this. The, the freedom that we have in Christ is such a magnificent, wonderful, life-giving, beautiful thing for all of us, right? For those of us that are Christians, the freedom that we have in Christ, to know that no longer under the law and the, and the, the rituals and the traditions and the heritage and all that we had to abide by, no longer the, the sacrificial um, you know, sacrifices that had to take place throughout the year, <clears throat> no longer the freedom, or we have the freedom now that even from sin in our lives, the freedom that we have in Christ, it's so freeing that we have that relationship and that we have that freedom. But last week, what we discovered was with freedom comes a responsibility that we have. The freedom that we have is not just free to live as you want and just kind of live it up and say and do whatever you want to do. No, when there, when there are repercussions of our actions, when there are, are, are consequences for how we treat someone else or someone who might truly stumble, not just maybe be at odds because sometimes we have to weigh that out. Sometimes we have to think, Someone just disagrees with me or sees things differently, or maybe they're kind of going back to a legalistic way of, of, of living. That's not really stumbling, but someone who might not actually truly hear and, and in hearing listen to and in listening to understand the truth of what it means to know Jesus. If that's the case, and we, through our actions and through our behaviors and how we treat others, were to be in the way, then sometimes our freedom needs to be put on the shelf. And so Paul continues this in helping us to understand it. Now, last week, uh, if you weren't here, let me kind of recap just briefly. They spoke of the church that had issues where there were, there were different believers and different people in the community that were identifying certain foods that you could eat or not eat. And it depended upon what, the, what was happening with food that was being sacrificed to idols. And so the freedom was allowing others to say, hey, I can just eat that. But others are saying, whoa, 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 there's no difference now. If you're just doing everything like that, like the pagans are, you're no different. And so what Paul is saying through that is, <clears throat> while yes, you can eat of the meat, maybe no, you shouldn't because of how it can cause someone to really stumble. And, and, to, and to, it could be a, a hindrance from them hearing what the gospel, the good news of Jesus really is. So as we come into this freedom with Paul, he actually comes out of the gate by stating this right here. Am I not free? Paul comes out to, to them, and, and remember, this is a letter he's writing. If, you, if you're new to the Bible or studying the Bible, or maybe you didn't know this, this is a letter that he's writing to this church. So imagine writing someone that, you're, that you are helping to understand something, someone that maybe is a, that you're mentoring, someone that as he is, he's planted this church and he's the pastoring to them and loving on them and directing them. And they have a lot of questions. They have a lot of issues. We, went, we spent chapter after chapter going through this. A lot of things he's helping them to address. <clears throat> and so this freedom that they have in Christ, he's helping them to understand what this is about for them. And he says, am I not free? A am I not free? Am I not an apostle? He's basically stating to them, have I not seen Jesus our Lord? I mean, the, an apostle means one who is specifically given the mission of, of in following Jesus that has seen, experienced, or been with Jesus and tell the message of Jesus. And the 12 disciples, those who were there, one didn't do so well, as we all know, but they, were, they added it to, to the following. And then Paul was one who met Jesus, was on the road to Damascus, and he met Jesus face to face. And as he meets him, he is, interacts with him. And he, who at one time was an enemy, as he was Saul, to Christians, and he realizes Jesus is who he says he is, and he 
decides to follow him, give his life to him because his life has been radically changed because of that. And so he makes this statement right here saying, am I not free as an apostle? I mean, I've seen Jesus our Lord. Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? Are you not the church that I, that I planted? Are you not the church that, I, that I'm communicating with regularly? Um, if to others I'm not an apostle, at least I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. So what Paul is reminding them of here is the, the authority that's been given to him. And for us as a church, the authority that when we read his words, these are the words of the Lord. These are the words of God that he's sharing. He's not just some random guy. He's not just some average Joe. Paul is making a clear statement here to say, that, hey, okay, just so you know, just as a reminder that I'm an apostle, that God has given this word to, but even as an apostle, even as one who has the authority, I am free to live this life. I'm not held by any restrictions. I'm not held, you know, held up to any sort of laws that I need to abide by. I am free in Christ as well. So he makes the statement to say that, hey, as an authority, I want you to know this. I'm in this with you. I'm in this with you. As the great theologian Zach Brown said, we're all in the same boat, fishing in the same hole. So he's reminding them that, hey, hey, even as an apostle, I'm free just as you're free. And he reminds them right here, this is my defense to those who would examine me. So he's, he's basically saying that there are people that might question this. Let me, let me help you out here. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas, Peter? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Now, Pause for a moment there. Anyone married to someone with the gift of sarcasm? It's great for your marriage. Um, I have a little bit of that. My wife reminds me sometimes, and hey, you need to chill on the sarcasm. So sometimes Paul can pause in that, and he has a, he has a very kind of a sarcastic way. He's basically saying right here, hey, is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? I mean, who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends to a flock without getting some of the milk? Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses. He takes them back to the law of Moses. You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake. Because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? Because if Paul is an authority, he comes out, states to them, hey, 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 I'm free. As an apostle, as one who's been, who's been commissioned with bringing this message to you, has one actually Paul spent time in as he planted churches, he would spend some time with various churches that he planted, right? We read all about, you might read and say, wow, Paul authored a lot of the New Testament, right? A lot of these churches, Ephesus and beyond, I mean, just so many that he's writing to these churches. And many times he would go to one and he would go to the other and he would go to the other and he would go to there. But he actually paused and spent two years with this church in Corinth. He had a relationship with them. Why? We, we're not really totally sure. It could be the positional location of the church in, 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 in that region. But for whatever reason, Paul spent time with them. So he had this relationship with those that were in the church. And so he's sharing with them, hey, as an apostle, 
as the one who has planted you, as the one who is bringing you this message, you know, I have the freedom to take on a wife. I have the freedom to eat, to drink. I have the freedom to even take funds from the church. I have the right in many ways to, to experience the freedom that I have in Christ and even as an apostle, as a leader of the church. And he say, says right here, do, do we not have the right to take along a believing wife as do the other apostles and brothers of the Lord and Cephas? He speaks of eating and drinking. He speaks of working for a living. I mean, come on, this is the ministry that we have. I mean, along the way, he's saying, I have a right. I have the freedom to all of that. But exactly what Paul was addressing with them, you had the right to eat the food. You had the right to say this. You had the right to interact with them this way. But there are times when you need push pause on that freedom. There's a time when there's a limitation maybe to the way you express that freedom. There's a time where maybe in the appropriate uh, exact specific thing that you need to do for a specific purpose and that specific purpose meaning so that people can hear and experience Jesus without something maybe being in the way of them actually hearing that, that you need to put that up on the shelf. And he continues on speaking to the why. Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right. He has the right. He is saying, hey, just so you know, I have the right, I have the freedom to all the stuff I just, I just spoke to you about. The freedoms that I have to take on a wife, the freedom that I have to eat and to drink whatever, the th freedom that I have to, to receiving money and, the, and gifts from the church to financially support, that's freedom. That, that's a right that actually I have. But he says, uh, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple? And those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing, that these, things, or am I writing these things to secure any such provision. For I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? that in my preaching, I may present the gospel free of charge, so not to make full use of my right in the gospel. All right, so, so Paul takes a, a good bit of time here to help the church there to understand, okay, okay, there are freedoms that, that I have. In fact, one of them I want you to understand is that, that I um, have uh, a right to, to accept funding from, from the church because I, I'm, I'm, if this is the work God has called me to, that the church can give that. In fact, he speaks to many of them that, that throughout the apostles that that is actually the way they made their living and the way that they continued to do what they were doing. Some have read this and thought, oh, is that like a, a prescription for how the church should approach that, right? Those are ministers and evangelists and beyond. But, but this is not a prescriptive thing. This is a descriptive moment where Paul is stating that even though I have the right for that, even though I have the right to take on a wife, even though I have these rights, I have given those up because the gospel for me is too important. And if I were to engage in any of those, it could hinder that. In that moment, 
in that time. Why? We, we don't really know. Could be a variety of reasons. Paul spent a lot of time there, right? Paul spent a lot of time in their, in their hearing about uh, the, what's happening in the churches in the area. Paul spent a lot of time in two years in Corinth. So he got to know the people there. He got to interact with them. He also got to know the culture very well. And in this culture, that, that there were many who, who, would, who would see uh, someone who would be paying or giving money to or giving funding to someone, and there could be a little bit of a power struggle there. Could a little bit of a power play. Maybe that was those in the community that, hey, just the philosophers in the community at the time, very, very intellectual, those that were outside of the, obviously, the church, philosophers who were discovering the meaning of life, um, those who were worshiping other gods, that they would receive funding, and therefore that potentially could be a hindrance because they were thinking, you're only sharing what they want you to share because they're paying you. He didn't want that to be a hindrance. Maybe it's within the church. Some of them identified different leaders. I mean, he speaks of Cephas, Peter, the, the Apollos, Paul, Jesus. And so many in the church would say, hey, if, if that were to be the case, he said, I don't want that to be a hindrance. Could, do I have the right to? Sure. I am deciding and choosing personally to say, I don't want that to be in the way. It was a strategic choice for him. Maybe he just wanted to be a tent maker. By the way, being a tent maker, you make what? Tents, right, right, right. You don't see that much, right? You go to a sporting goods store and you buy a tent. At that time, a tent maker would make tents when people would come to the area and they needed a tent for, for a variety of reasons. It might be a massive event taking place. It might be something happening in the area. So he was a tent maker, basically a servant to many, a, a workman that he were to be stating, hey, I, what I want to do is I want to use my hands to provide a service for you. And in many of those ways, it provided him to be out in his community building a relationship with other people. That was the occupation that he chose. And Paul made the statement to say, hey, hey, um, for, for, we don't know the reason. He just said, hey, I've given up that right. All of these things, I, ha I have a right in, in many ways in my life, but I am giving up this right. And for a lot of us, and for people at the church right there in Corinth, man, to think about the rights that we have, the freedoms that we have, to be able to say, hey, I need to lay aside a little bit of myself. I mean, what's the reason for that? Well, I mean, what's he even talking about? That I give up some freedom for someone else? That's my freedom. That's the freedom that's been granted to me. And therefore, I wanna do all that I need to do. I wanna say all that I need to say. I wanna act exactly how I need to act to protect that freedom because that is my independence. That is my freedom. That is my liberty. And I don't want anyone to take any of that from me. But Paul goes next to remind the church why that is so important. And this is what he says next. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its 
blessings. So Paul shares the why. Not just the what. He doesn't just look to them and say, hey, give up your freedoms. I'm sure that many like you in the room that would say, why would I want to do that? That goes against everything that I've ever been taught. That goes everything against everything within me that says I've been granted freedom. If you're telling me I'm free in Christ and now you're saying I'm not free in Christ, I don't understand that. And he's not saying you're losing any of that freedom, but what he's sharing with them is, hey, as, as one who is truly free in Christ, Paul is saying, as, if I am truly free in Christ, with my freedom comes a responsibility and a privilege that I have to sometimes lay aside those freedoms because my freedom, I want to share that freedom with others so they can experience that life forever, eternal, and hear the gospel. And not just I tell them the gospel, but they actually hear the gospel and they listen to the gospel and they respond to it. Because they realize this, I'm, as I am free in Christ, his desire was to share with every person that he came in contact with, no matter their background. He shares with them as a reminder to the Jews that are in the church, and many were there, those who were Jew, of the Jewish faith and the Jewish tradition and the Jewish culture and the Jewish heritage. And, and he looked to them and said, hey, all that I'd experienced before, now that I'm a follower of Jesus, you're still holding to many of those things. You've held to many of those things. You've experienced many of those things. The traditions that you hold and, and, and all that you have gone through, I, I step back into that with you. And remember when I shared with you the Passover meal and you celebrated the Passover that you're remembering when, when the angel passed over and I looked to you and I shared with you, let me tell you a quick story about when Jesus met with his followers, his disciples, and they remembered that and they were celebrating that. And it changed because he said, now, this is my body. This is my blood. He is the perfect sacrifice. And I did that, and I came back into that world with you to win you, to show you, so that you can understand that he is the Messiah who we've expected to come. The Gentiles, so far from being being of Jewish faith. In fact, many of them saw each other on opposite aisles that we are truly enemies with one another. And to those that were Gentiles who, who leaned into the, the many gods and worshiped them and identified all the different gods that they could look to and say, oh, the God of, the God of, the God of, the philosophers that they heard and so said, share with us the meaning of life. And, and Paul began to, to understand this is the culture, this is the world that they're living in. And he wasn't saying, hey, I'm abandoning my faith. No, he said, because of my faith, I'm stepping into your world. Because of my faith and what I understand about Jesus and the freedom that he gives me, now I'm stepping into your world. I'm not afraid and ashamed of your world. In fact, I want to participate participate with you to show you that I love you and I care for you. You want to talk about the meaning of life? I'll share with you the meaning of life because I've discovered it. And I shared this with you and loved on you and cared for you and all that you were going with through, going through. I showed you empathy. I showed you compassion. And because of that, you discovered Jesus. For those who were weak, those who couldn't fully understand and embrace the, the, some, some of the simplest understandings of, of Christ and you're trying to wrap your head around it and you don't fully understand it, maybe it's physical weakness, spiritual, maybe it's emotional weakness, no matter the, the, that there's, there's something that is holding them back. And he says, I came to you and I sat with you and I shared with you and I loved on you and I cared for you, just like Jesus did with me. I mean, he was reminding them, I was once an enemy of you. I once applauded when Christians were killed or thrown into prison. 
I was the one who gave my stamp of approval when that would happen. But when I met Jesus, it changed me, and I wanted to change you. And so he's reminding them, he's looked at all of them and say, you're talking about your freedom, you're talking about your disagreements, you're talking about how you're going to, well, they, well, this and that. Well, if they feel that way, then they need to get over it. And there's dissension, and there's disagreement, and there's lashing out to other people, and there's constant bickering taking place. And he's going, whoa, 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 all that. Yes, those are conversations that we can have, but can we remember, remember for a moment where we got our freedom from? It's not on your own. It's not because of your own doing is because of what Christ has done for us and because he changed me and I stepped into your life should you not step into the lives of others well maybe you're sitting there wondering going yeah well you just don't understand the world that we live in you, you just don't I mean think about it for a minute the world that we're living in that that is very is hedonistic and it's and it's this desire of pursuit of self in every way pursuit of my own desires my own ways, everything that pleases me. Or maybe you're like, hey, you tell us, yes. I mean, as we heard just a moment ago, how will they know unless someone tells it? Well, I told them and they just rejected it because I shared it with them and I tweeted it, passed it along, and they didn't want anything to do with it. Look, if we, are become, if we immerse ourselves into the life of those that are, that are outside, the, the guy at work, the, my neighbor, if I kind of like get to know them too much, I might become like them. Should I not protect my little world that I have here? Because it's really good. And then oftentimes we see the person across the room that sees things differently or the person in our community or the person who's not here today and we talk about them or the person that, that we think to them, you know what, they've never stepped foot into church or the person who votes differently or the person who sees just life in general different than you do and you think, they feel like an enemy. And we're reminded, as we read in the scripture, that our, our, our battle is, the enemy is not flesh and blood. But even those that we see as our enemy, Paul actually helps us to address into how do we, how do we posture ourselves? How do we approach that relationship? He reminds us this in Romans. It says this, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Didn't really want to hear that today. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Uh, that's not what we want to hear. That's not what our flesh says and how to respond. That's not what we typically feel is the actual, actual proper way, right, to respond to someone who might be an enemy. It's to lash out, it's to give back, it's to say, you're going to do this for me, eye for an eye, and that's how we live our lives. But even Jesus said, when they strike one side of your cheeks, turn your cheek and let them strike the other. The principle being that as we overcome evil with good, and we hear these things and we experience these things and they're like going, yeah, but the world we live in is just different. The world that we're living in, I mean, if you just don't even know, I mean, it's so, so heathen, it's so pagan. I mean, just everything that's good. Sounds familiar. Sounds like the 
first century church in Corinth. In the church that Paul's speaking to, in the church that thrived, in a church that carried the gospel that impacted you and I sitting in this building today. Those of us that are watching online and experiencing the life that Jesus gives us. So, so Paul continues on. Paul continues on, not, not just in any states that, hey, hey, I, I have become all things to all people. Now, what should you do? So he, he, he states his case, he, he, uh, he states his point, and now he's saying, what, what do you need to do with this? As the church, what can you do? And he uses this illustration. Love this illustration. Many of you probably heard this. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So Paul doesn't just randomly select this, uh, this running a race going, to, what, what is he talking about? I mean, we, we might understand, understand a race, but the, the church in Corinth at the time, that, that region, they had the Isthmian Games, okay? They were like the, the Olympics in the area, right? They were part of the, the, the regional games that would take place and people would come from all over. Another reason, possibly Paul that, that was working with Priscilla and Aquila and he's making tents in the area thinking these people are gonna come and, and I get to engage with them in our community and I get to share with them the gospel and I don't want anything to hinder that, right? So he's, he's, but he's addressing them going, you all have seen it. You all know what I'm talking about. You've seen a race. You've seen people box and, and there usually is one winner. They're usually the one who trains so hard to say, hey, I want to win the race. I want to do what I can do to beat everyone else around me so that I can get to the end. And he says, that typically is the way that we want to see. That, don't you know that in the race, all the runners run, but only one receives a prize? One receives the prize. So run that you may obtain the prize. How can all of us run to obtain the prize if there's only one winner? I resonated with this um, a lot. I remember reading this I was a, as, a, as a Christian teenager because I ran track in uh, junior high school, all right? Stopped after junior high. I realized it wasn't my, wasn't my thing. Um, but I, I ran track in, in, uh, from sixth through eighth grade. Um, <clears throat> I was not a, shall we say, a long sprinter. Um, I know the stage can be deceiving. I'm a pretty small guy. Um, so I, I ran, I ran the, the sprints, the short distance. I was great for like 30, 40 yards. And, uh, but my coach came to me one day and he was like, hey, 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 I've got, I've got a, a, an opportunity for you. And, and so I was thinking, okay, okay, cool. Um, what is it? He's like, I need you to run the hurdles. <clears throat> um, so I thought, really? You know, there's like jumping. <laughs> and running involved in that. And he reminded me, he said, okay, but here's the deal. With the junior high, it's lower, okay? It's much lower than what you experience or what you think it might be. So you just do your sprint thing, right? You're on the track team, you're fast, that's why we got you on here. So, so you're, gonna, you're gonna run, you're gonna sprint over those. And, and actually, I, di I did okay throughout the year. I mean, it was a little bit lower height. And then at the end of the year, we went to the state 
final end of the year competition. It was at Westminster High School in, in Atlanta, a massive private school. And, and at, the, at that school, there were a ton of, ton of schools represented there. So I'm getting ready for the, for the hurdles. And, and um, I went out on the track, getting ready. I'm getting stretched out, doing all the things I need to, need to do to get ready. And, and I looked up, and when I looked up, this is what I saw. And, and this was a lot higher than the other ones. And I went to the coach and I said, hey coach, um, they, they need to lower those, that's not right. And he said, oh, I forgot to tell you that um, there are ninth graders here because some of the schools are seventh through ninth grade. And because of the ninth graders that are here, um, they have to go with the high school height. Sorry. Um, I, was this, I was this height. Um, and so, as you can see, there was a problem. And I, you know, I realized as I looked at it and I thought, coach, what are you doing? He, he looks at me, he goes, look, I, I know you're not going to win. Thanks for the vote of confidence. Um, <laughs> and he flat out told me. And I was like, I know, I'm not going to win. There's no, there's no chance. What am I going to do? And he said, look, just finish. I was like, okay, fine. But can you move the hurdles? Because it'll be a lot easier. He goes, just, just do what you got to do to finish. And so that was my, I was determined. I was like, I'm going to finish this race. And so I got, I stood back and there were many of these along the way, right? All the way down. And some, you know, good, good hurdlers, they get that stride going and they kind of like leap over it. And it's just, oh, it looks amazing. That was not me. I was a little scampering along and just beep, trying to land. But I want you to know I finished the race and I didn't knock a single one of these things down. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I've, I've gotten two applauses today. One being that my wife stuck it out with me for 24 years. And two, that I didn't bust my face. Um, but I was dead last, man. I was dead last. And, and I realized at the end, I was like, all right, I crossed the line. I finished my race. But I thought, and to this day, I thought it would have been a lot easier if these things were not here. It would have been a lot easier if these things were not here. It would have been so much easier if all of a sudden I just, you know, when like coach looked at me, hey, what can I do to help? I was like, you can just remove all those things. I can finish this race a lot easier if you get, if you get rid of the hurdles because there's a chance I'm gonna bust my face. There's a chance that I'm gonna give up. There's a chance that I'm not gonna make it. There's a chance that I'm gonna get toward the end and I'm gonna be like, I'm too tired, I'm too fatigued. I, somebody, somebody do something here, right? And see, oftentimes this is our relationship with others. And the way we approach our faith is that we put up hurdles. Maybe it's legalism. Maybe it's a perception. Maybe it's a post. Maybe it's an interaction that we have with someone. Maybe it's a, a spiritual arrogance that we raise up. Maybe it's a, a, a family member, a, a coworker. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe we have this, 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 these hurdles that we're constantly putting in front of people. Come meet Jesus, but. I want you to hear Jesus, but. And we have all of these hurdles that we add in the way. Maybe some parts of our life that we need to adjust and to change so that people can really hear it because they're going, they're no different than we are. Why, why would I want to become like, like you when you don't live a different life at all? In fact, everything that I experience in this life, you do the same thing. You just happen to go to church on Sunday. That's a hurdle. That's in the way. That's keeping someone from the chance of even crossing the finish line. You see, as we wrap this up, there are a couple of things I want us to walk away with. First of all, understand that there are times when we lose, we win. 
There are times that when we lose, when we have a willingness to lose ourself and to lose our desires and to, to, to lose our freedoms and liberties and the willingness to say that I'm willing to give up some of that in my own way, in my own time, in my own perception, in my own thoughts, in my actions, in my own personal convictions so that others can win. I mean, we think of the life of Jesus is not, not so true that he lost his own life so that you and I can have the freedom that we sometimes take for granted and take advantage of. You might not have heard the name um, Brema Dabo from Guinea-Bissau. Um, that, that there was a race that took place in 2019, the not 2019 World Athletic Championship. And Dabo was a, a, a half marathoner. And his country came to him and said, we want you to run the 5,000 meter. He's never run the 5,000 meter in his life. But the objective and, and the hope was, was that if he were to run his best time, his personal best, <clears throat> if you do just good enough, that you might be able to make the Tokyo Olympics. Tokyo Olympics. I don't know if anyone from that nation has ever represented the Tokyo, but he had a chance. And they sent him to go like, go, do your best, give it your all, and do whatever's necessary so that you can make us proud. And as he was racing, he came across someone else. Jonathan Busby from Aruba. Busby is in the yellow shirt. He's struggling. They both are toward the back of the pack. He doesn't have a chance to win, but, but Dabo still has a chance to, to possibly get his personal best, maybe make the cut. He has a chance to finish, and, is, and he's heading along the way. One thing he thinks is, could be thinking to himself is, hey, you know what? I have an opportunity to pass Busby because he's, he's struggling right now. The heat got to him. Whatever was going on in his body just all of a sudden started to shut down. He couldn't finish the race. And as Dabo begins to pass him, he looks down and realizes he needs my help. And that moment, Dabo's desire to win, and actually his definition of winning completely changed. And his definition was winning was, I need to help him. So he picked him up and he carried him across the finish line. Four minutes after the other group had finished, the initial, the, the, the initial runners, those in first, second, and third, they're getting applause from everyone in the stadium. Great job, good job winning. You beat everyone, good job. When Dabo and Busby crossed the finish line, the stadium erupted because they saw Honestly, just on the, on the track, just an act, of, an act of sportsmanship. But the story of that specific championship was this. And when they interviewed Dabo after, he said, I, I mean, I had nothing to do with faith. He just said, hey, I just realized in that moment there was someone who needed my help. But imagine for a moment <laughs> that if we as followers of Jesus we viewed our life and those that we interact with and those that we're racing along in, the, in, the, in the, this race called life that we're running with, right? And that we're running with them. And we have obstacles to come along and be like, hey, let me help you up. Come on, I'm going through this with you. That we have an opportunity to say, instead of sprinting past people and being like, you know what? Look at you, I'm gonna win. Ha ha, that we don't do that anymore, that we actually look to them and say, hey, can I help you? That we have an opportunity to step into their lives and say, 
What can I do to be, as Paul said, a servant to you? As Paul said, someone who says, I am willing to do all that I can to build a relationship with you so that I can win you to Jesus. And there are going to be times where you're going to push back on me, but I'm going to love you anyway. There are going to be times that they may look at you and say, I don't want anything to do with that. And you'll be like, sounds great. I, I'm cool with that. I mean, I invited you to church. You said no, that's fine. But I'm going to love you anyway. There are times where they're going to say, no, they're going to vote different at the voting booth. And we're going to go like, oh, can I be friends with them? Yes, you can. Actually, we should be. Because we will never win our country to Christ in a political way, a voting booth, through a social media post, through advocating for our candidate, through ostracizing and pushing away the guy that's in the cube next to me, the I don't want that guy. I don't want to build a relationship. Do you know what he does on the weekend? The neighbor that you know for a fact that never, ever comes to church on Sunday and be like, ah, what's wrong with them? They need to get up and go to church. Then instead of that, maybe we just said, hey, I, I want to do all that I can to be kind and loving to you, to show you the love of Jesus. And I'm, I promise you this, if you're tired of hearing that, tired of people talking to you about as Christians, you need to love everybody. You're tired of hearing that? Well, don't, don't open your New Testament. Gospels, reading the life of Jesus. Don't hear what Paul is saying here. Don't go through and read because some of that we just read about how you're actually supposed to treat your enemy. We find that in the Old Testament, right? We, we, we don't, don't open it up and discover any of that. And, and instead of you trying to worry about, well, I need to take revenge on it. Remember what, he, what Paul said about that God said, revenge is mine. It's not on you. He just called us to love and to care for them and to, and to be the, the, the gospel to them. So the question that we need to ask ourselves is this. Are we, are we willing to remove the obstacles? Because if we, if we through, our, through our losing, if we win, then maybe we need to remove the obstacles. Maybe we need to remove the hurdles out of people in front of people's lives. Maybe we need to be an advocate for them personally. We need to do all that we can to say that I want you to experience the, the life and the freedom that Jesus has given me. So I want to do all that I can to remove these obstacles to keep you from hearing it and experiencing it. Because this is true. I mean, love, agape love, the type of love that comes from God. Jesus loves us. But God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That means God loved you and that means someone connected with you and introduced you to Jesus. Can't we return the favor? Isn't that our, not our calling? I love what Pastor Trent said earlier that as we're sending people across the country, sometimes we need to send someone across the street Someone, sometimes we need to send someone to the office next door or to a neighbor that's, that lives next to us or to, to a family member that we need to reach out to. Because love it always is greater than just our freedoms that we have. Are we free in Christ? Yes. Should we live in that freedom? Yes. Should we dwell in that freedom? Absolutely. It's so amazing of a place to be. And the freedom that we have in Christ is something that we should hold up. But also in that freedom, we should have the, the humility to say it's not because of my doing, but it's because of what Christ has done. And the righteousness that I have now in, in God's eyes is only through him. So that humbles me. That lowers me down. That, that gives me the willingness to say that I want to do whatever I can do for someone to hear and experience that. Get rid of all of my that I can, that can be in the way. Get rid of all the things in my life that, that can keep people from hearing. Get rid of all the, the things in my life that is gonna keep someone from truly experiencing and hearing the gospel. And my prayer for us as we leave that that's our desire. That 
we hold on to the message. Man, Paul never compromised his beliefs, his values, his convictions, never compromised any of that. But he had a willingness to say, I, 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 I want to build a relationship with you. Philosophers, let's talk about the meaning of life. Jewish people coming out of that faith, let's talk about what all that means and that Jesus was the fulfillment of all that. Those who are, who are hurting, those who are, who are helpless, let me give you help. Let me give you hope. And that was his desire and that was his pursuit. So as we hold on to the message... Maybe, wow, maybe we could just change some of our messaging. Because how can you say Jesus loves you when they feel they're your enemy? Let's change that. It can begin with us. It can begin with one. How do we change our world? How do we change our nation? How do we change our community? One Heart at a time. Let's pray together. God, we love you. So thankful for your love for us. Um, a love that is unconditional. Um, there's nothing that we've ever done to deserve it. Um, it's only through that love and, and grace and mercy the action of love that has been given to us, the, the thought behind that you loved us still, no matter our rebellion, no matter our pursuit of self, no matter our worshiping of other gods, no matter all that we have done personally in our lives that, see, that would, in our estimation should have driven you far away from us, but you said, no, I love you anyway, and you gave your life. That's amazing to think about. And today, as we leave, remind us of that. Remind us it's so easy to get caught up in so much and the things that make us mad and the things that make us angry, that should, that should fuel us to pursue the being loving and kind and allowing the fruits of the Spirit to be evident in our lives even more. Let us extend grace and love to this world so that when they hear of your grace and love, they've experienced it through your followers. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like the video and leave a comment. And we also encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss a post from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, just head to our website by going to foothillschurch.com or by clicking the link in the description below.